Hi, I'm Ksenia. And I'm Anna. And you are listening to CareerZilla, a podcast about careers and technologies. We talk to experts from different industries to uncover the latest trends and technologies that shape the future of work. If you want to learn something exciting about the world around you or looking for a next career step, this podcast is for you. And now let's start. Are you a fan of sustainability? And you believe that we all should work together to make our planet a better place to live. Yet, when you read news, you feel a bit lost. Circular economy, green economy, low carbon economy. What are the differences between all these economies? Stay tuned to find answers to these questions. Because today we invited a special guest who knows everything about circular economy and green economy. Joachim Ross is a policy analyst at the International Institute for Sustainable Development in Canada. His work is focused on just transition, green recovery, circular economy and green fiscal policies. Welcome, uh, Joachim. We are very glad that you joined us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Could you please briefly introduce yourself? What are your main field of expertise and what are you doing actually in your daily life? Of course. I work as a policy analyst um, at a think tank, an energy think tank called the International Institute for Sustainable Development. I'm based in Ottawa in Canada. I've been working for two years uh, with the ISD, and previously I was based in France. And the ISD is a multidisciplinary think tank. I'm working in the energy team, but they are a Canadian-based think tank, so they also have uh, an experimental lakes area in uh, Winnipeg and also an economic law and policy program and an adaptation program. So it's quite a a wide range of topics, but they're all based on uh, sustainable development and connecting social, economic, and and environmental goals. So that's in a very brief uh, description of the the think tank I'm working in. And more specifically, the the aspects I'm working on are just transition. So I'll be able to talk a little bit more about this in the, the podcast later on, but it's very briefly, how can you make a transition to um, a low carbon economy or sustainable economy while taking into account the impacts it can have on fossil fuel workers and, and the social justice element of the transition. And also another element I'm working on is circular economy, which you may have heard of. Um, it's getting a lot of traction. It, the idea is to develop a new business model that is not linear, but where you have a you move away from a take make uh, waste dispose model and include more services, reuse, recycling, remanufacturing, all that. That sounds really cool. But how does it work exactly uh, when some entrepreneur or maybe some person who aspires to become an entrepreneur think, okay, I would like to work in the field of sustainable economy. He mm-hmm. or she comes to you and asks uh, questions, how can I transform my ideas mm-hmm. to make it more sustainable or it works somehow differently? It's a good question. I think, um, so, you know, sustainable development is a very broad church. So you have people like us who are more on the, I'd say, the academic research side who communicate about uh, climate change issues and do research. So it depends the background of the person, but there's a lot of opportunities in a lot of different areas. For example, uh, you have consultancies in the private sector. So depending, I guess it depends on the person's skill set. 
but there's definitely an opportunity to to work on this from different angles. So as so in the private sector, for example, you can develop uh, carbon accounting tools for uh, companies that are interested to understand how the emissions in their different branches or subsidiaries are are um, are taking place. So that's important for them because it's also a, a, a resource efficiency saving cost that that matters a lot to them, not just you know for climate reasons but economic reasons. You can be uh, an environmental lawyer, for example. Uh, there's um, uh, a law firm called Client Earth, which works on sort of a lot of different uh, issues, but they try to um, stop the, the fracking in certain countries or the building of certain coal plants and so forth. So that's that's something you can do if you come from a law perspective. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, I say, as, as an entrepreneur, you can develop a business that's based on a more circular model. I think that's something that there's demand for this. It can be, for example, um, you know, maybe you, there's some companies like Fairphone where you're renting phones. You can be developing services instead of products. So you try to reduce your material footprints. So there's, I think there's a lot of ways to think about this. But, um, but yeah, for sure, I think we need a lot of change makers from a lot of different perspectives. Sounds like many people from different industries can contribute to the brighter future for all of us. Yeah. You actually already mentioned some terms such as circular green economy, low carbon economy, and so on. Could you please explain to us what is the difference between those terms? Yeah, sure. So the concepts are, they have similarities and differences. It can be a bit confusing in this field because every five years or so, it feels like we're coming up with this new term and it's like a revolutionary term, but you know, in a way it's different, but also it has similarities with previous terms. So they are trying to, they are ticking similar boxes. In principle, they're all trying to limit global warming to 1.5 or 2 degrees based on the Paris Agreement, but they have some differences. So like circular economy is really about changing production and consumption patterns. As I said, it's about shifting away from a linear economy, so a take-make-dispose model. So it's a, it's a lot, of, it focuses heavily on services, for example, where you try to replace the development of certain materials by either um, artificial intelligence or certain technologies that enable you to reduce the inputs costs in your production value chains. It can be about um, developing new services like renting phones, or there can be services like tree planting technology or certain, uh, the mapping of deforestation or uh, how, how you mapping waste pollution, for example. So you can think of this in so many ways, but the idea is really to, um, to use uh, technology to the advantage of certain firms so that they can reduce the material, material footprint. And then uh, if you look at low carbon economy, I think that's the broadest term of all. It's really the idea is, is quite straightforward. It's the idea that you shift to carbon activities that have a lower carbon footprint. So in the power sector, it would be from fossil fuels. So say coal, oil and gas to renewable energy, which is already underway in, in many countries. But then it's also about the transport sector, either through public transport or electric vehicles. In industry, you can think of um, ideas that are coming up recently, like hydrogen or agriculture as well. How do you develop more regenerative agriculture? You reduce the need for chemical fertilizers or pesticides. You have more uh, you know, recycling of certain waste manure, for example. Um, so so that's, that's, in a nutshell, the low carbon economy. It's quite a broad uh, concept. Green economy and just transition, I'd say they're both quite related, but they have a little bit of a difference. So green economy is generally an economy that's based on green activities as it's understood, but it's also about green growth. So how do you 
develop an economic model that's both sustainable, but that can also lead to green jobs um, and green businesses. And just transition is, you know, it's aligned, but it's, I think, has more of a strong social component. Often it's used uh, by academics or others in this field in terms of fossil fuel workers. So you may have heard, but in, you know, in Germany, they have, for example, the Coal Commission on how to retrain certain coal workers. There's a similar process in Canada with the task force. So it's really about making sure that no one is left out in, in the transition to a low carbon economy. And um, the International Labor Organization has worked on this, on how do you build agreements between labor unions, fossil fuel workers, companies, and, and governments so that the transition can take place smoothly. And, and a snow, slight note, but I, as, at our institute at ISD, we, we have a broader vision of trust transition. So we do include certain measures like fossil fuel subsidy reform, which is how do you um, reform certain subsidies to fossil fuels. Uh, you mentioned before that businesses have to become more sustainable. But what can business owners actually do to try to make their companies more green and sustainable? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, it's it's challenging to give a universal sort of answer because it's going to depend on the, the type of business, the, the sector it's in. Um, you know, yeah. So it depends on a lot of factors like the cost of technologies and so forth. But I guess there, there's a multiple ways you can do this. One idea that's based on circular economy is the idea of building industrial synergies. So say, for example, you are, I don't know, a, a company that's you know, building tires, for example, and you have a lot of waste from, from tire waste. And then you realize that there's another company that can use that waste as a byproduct in its, its own production. And so it's a win-win because you both um, can sort of use sell your waste to another company and then they can use that uh, as an input in their production without having to um, purchase uh, other inputs elsewhere so that that can be one way to do it to see what other companies are in your sector and how you can connect with them to build industrial synergies then of course you can also see what is your competitive advantage as a particular company or um, a small enterprise so the, the the examples i might give are are not necessarily small companies, but they can be interesting. So for example, in, in Spain, the electricity company uh, Iberdrola, they announced um, they would produce green ammonia through green hydrogen. So ammonia production is up until now mostly comes from natural gas. So this is an interesting development because uh, it can lead to decarbonization in the agricultural sector. And in Sweden, another example is in the industrial sector, they are developing, trying to develop green steel. So basically steel that would be um, made from, from green hydrogen instead of uh, coking coal. So of course, all of this sounds very interesting, but you may ask, how do you, how do, you do that? I think for these big shifts, it, it's not like, it's difficult to do it without some form of state support, either through subsidies or through green procurements or through some sort of guarantee that, um, you know, if you're gonna invest in these risky businesses that you will have um, state support behind you because, of course, it can be very daunting for a new business to invest in something when they don't know if there's going to be consumer demand or if they're going to be able to um, to meet these kind of objectives. So, yeah, in a, in a short nutshell, in a nutshell, I'd say you need state support, but you also need to be um, willing to take some risks and invest in, in certain things that might not be bring you a short benefit right away, but in the long run might actually be a, a really um, interesting. Um, uh, something really interesting to invest in. Could you actually name a couple of countries 
that are doing the most to support their green businesses? That's that's a really good question. Um, so at the ISD, we developed a website called the Energy Policy Tracker. There are other similar websites out there, but one, one of the main things that we do is track uh, recovery funds um, in the energy sector and where these funds are going. So what we've seen is that out of this, out of all these funds at the global level, there's about 47%, so almost half of these funds are going um, to uh, fossil fuels and 35% to, um, to clean energy. And then we have another category for ener- ener- other energy, which includes nuclear, nuclear and, um, and other things. But basically, these numbers are always changing. But based on what we can tell, there are certain countries that are coming out with, that are more ambitious in their, in their um, support to clean energy. France, for example, is an interesting example. Out of 100 billion euros uh, for its economic recovery plan, it's allocated 30%, so 30 billion for uh, green recovery. So for measures that will um, stimulate green activities, but also that are positive for green jobs and so forth. So for example, it's, um, it's, it's seeking a partnership with Germany to build green hydrogen. It's uh, trying to um, uh, develop EV manufacturing, developing uh, biogas and EV buses. So there's a, there's a lot of things um, and also public transport and so forth that, that France has done. It's not perfect, of course, but that, that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, there are others that are not quantitative per se, um, or at least that we haven't quantified, but that are that are also really relevant. For example, the UK um, announced it would end public support for overseas fossil fuel projects. So that's also something very interesting and that countries can learn from, even if there's not a specific subsidy or amount tied to it for the moment. So, so yeah, th- these are examples, but there are other ones um, that, that I can, I'm happy to share. For example, um, this isn't in our tracker, but I think it's interesting. Of course, the, like in New Zealand, for example, they have they've tried to reconvert tourist guides to environmental conservation, and they had specific funding allocated for this. And of course, that's relevant because you know tourism now these days is really impacted with COVID. So, so all these things mm-hmm. are interesting, and, and hopefully, this website can be a. Uh, I encourage you to, to to look at it, and it's a way for countries to learn from each other and for the public to learn more about these issues. You raised an interesting point and you used a very interesting term, green jobs. At least it's something really new for me, mm-hmm. a person who is an outsider to this topic. Could you please explain a bit more what does it mean, green jobs, and how exactly overall this shift towards green economy will affect job market? It's, it's So first of all, in terms of what green jobs are, it can be a little tricky. There's no universal definition. But generally, it's understood as a job in uh, an activity that has positive impacts uh, for for the climate. It can be in many sectors, in the agricultural sector, in the waste sector. We talked about circular economy and, and of course, in the power sector for renewable energy jobs. I think as we're seeing more countries investing in these new technologies and the, and, and the green economy, it's likely that we'll see more green jobs. Um, it's, it's interesting to note that for some of these jobs, for renewable energy and circular economy, they also tend to be uh, more labor intensive, meaning that you can uh, have sort of more bang for the buck. So you have more jobs that will be generated per amount of investment uh, that the countries are making. The the one thing I'd say, though, is that, um, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be perfect either, because as I mentioned, just transition earlier, there are a number of jobs in the fossil fuel industry that will be lost as a, as a result of this transition. 
So it's really important to, to think about programs to retrain and repurpose these workers. And also for certain green jobs, they may be more numerous, but in certain countries, they may not be as decent. So think, of, for example, of certain recycling jobs or in the waste sector um, that might you might not have social protection or it might be in the informal sector. So that's also something to take into account. And of course, the, the pay of these jobs will vary, right, depending on the position you have. So in certain countries, fossil fuel jobs, say in the U.S. or Canada, are jobs that are high paying. And it might be more challenging to find green jobs that will lead to the, the same amount of high pay. Although you can find these jobs as well, but it's just a, a sort of caveat to what I was saying. And, and then the last, oh, sorry. And the last thing I was going to say, and, and then I'll end on this, is just that you can also have geographical mismatches. So in that sense, India is an interesting country because the, the government has put in place very ambitious programs for solar energy and, and other renewable energy and um, training programs for, for green skills and jobs. But what we're seeing is that there's a mismatch, like coal states are based um, and are not the ones that have the most renewable energy potential. So basically what I'm trying to say is that um, green jobs will not benefit everyone. It's basically what I'm trying to say. If we think about green transition from the perspective of science and technology, it may even open more opportunities. We can speak right now about circular economy and sustainable development only because some scientific achievement in the past was made. And they created some novel technologies, such as solar energy or green steel, which you were talking about earlier. In a way, this transition to new types of economy generates many lucrative opportunities in tech and science for next generation. Hopefully, it will create even more opportunities. I, I totally agree. I think that's exactly it. I think when you think of a green recovery or a, a green economy, you think of these investments, but also uh, innovation that will uh, be beneficial for jobs, but also that will have a positive economic impact in the, in the long run. So it's sort of a, you're betting in the long run as a government that investing in these technologies will actually um, be the right thing for your economy, but also uh, socially speaking, yeah. You were talking about green lawyers, but what other professions are in demand in sustainable development? It's a good question as well. I think, I mean, I think this changed quite a bit um, in the past, since, you know, a couple of years back. Now I'm looking at master programs or just education. You see more and more masters that are based on sort of environment and development or specific masters on, on climate change. So you see new programs that are actually emerging, which is kind of promising. And they're often interdisciplinary. So you, you, beta, you, you can come from different perspectives in these programs. And then it enables you to sort of find jobs in this sector without necessarily, say, having, um, uh, you know, a stamp on your CD that says, hey, I come from uh, the green sector or something like that. So I think you can come from really different skill sets. That That's what I was trying to uh, put forward earlier, is that I come from, for example, more from um, a policy background. I did political science and, and, and economics, but you can come from an engineering background as well. I know that um, ISD, for example, we have quite a, a couple engineers and uh, they have this experience in the field of working concretely on certain uh, renewable energy projects or, or um, other projects. You can even have people coming from the oil and gas sector. I mean, it might seem a little contradictory, but they can have insights from that sector that can be interesting to know about for someone that doesn't actually um, work in those sectors. Um, so, yeah, I think and I mentioned as well, you know, uh, if, if you come if you come from a, a law background, you, you can. There are certain firms like client earth is one, but there are others that, that will, um, that will sort of hire people that are specifically looking to become an environmental lawyer. 
And then if you have sort of more of a business background, consultancies might be something that you that you could be interested in because a lot of companies are now really aligning with this idea that they need to reduce their emissions and it's no longer some sort of you know fringe movement where it's very difficult to find jobs i think more and more in the future we're going to we're going to see these jobs happening so i think um people shouldn't be too worried about necessarily not having the skill set but more trying to think in the future what are what do they want to do and how do they get there and and uh yeah I think that's that would be my approach to it. Could you recommend maybe some online courses that can be useful for people who want to educate themselves on sustainability issues? That's a yeah, that's a more challenging question. I'll try to answer as best as I can. Um, I mean, I know that, for example, from from my myself, I there are certain quantitative courses, more can be statistical courses or other courses that I'm taking or keen on taking more that you can do through EDX. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's like a micro master yeah. program. Mm-hmm. And so that can be interesting because you don't actually have to do a whole year at a master's and they give you a course with, um, I think it's pretty well done. I'm, I'm doing this Power BI course at the moment and you can and you can learn a lot of skill sets that will, will be useful. And they have courses, some of them may be more or less relevant, but they have courses on sort of the basics of energy policy or what are the, the laws in the sector, uh, what, what you can learn and so forth. So I encourage people to just have a look at that as well. Um, master's online and, and online courses. That's always a, a, something you might want to do. Then I'm trying to think if there are other, other things. Um, I was going to bring up something else, but it's more about jobs, not so much about training. It's At the IAC, we do have a um, climate, cha- climate change job vacancy portal where all ISD, ISD subscribers, so different companies and so forth, they post jobs. So that can be really interesting mm-hmm. for people looking for jobs. So if you, if you Google climate change job vacancies isd community you will find a list of jobs not just research jobs but also can be um, manager jobs business developments monitoring and valuation uh, but you name it like value chain specialists and all of that and they show you the the requirements how many years of of skill set do you need and uh, how you can apply and so forth so that can be interesting it's like a portal for jobs for people in the sector so I, i recommend people to go on that one as well If you can give some advice to a person who is about to start a career in the field of sustainable development, what would it be? I'd say don't give up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> keep, um, don't don't like give up on your dreams. It may seem like it's it's a sort of very difficult to get into this field, or that it's um, you know you don't know how you can apply your skill set. But I what I what I did personally because I was really eager to get into this and it was challenging initially is I, I developed a, a simple word. You can do it on Excel list of all the companies or all the institutes or you name it of um, organizations working in this field. And then I looked at, at it regularly. So saying which sector are they in, what is their expertise and so forth. And then you can come back to it regularly and see the jobs that they're posting. Um, and it's a good way to reassure yourself because you, you know that you have this list and you can always come back to it. But I, I'd say the main word I'd say is um, don't give up on your dreams because, you know, we need people, we need change makers, and um, you, you can come from really different backgrounds and, and make a big difference in this field. Well, with these beautiful words, we will finish our podcast. And it was really an inspiration. And we hope that many of our listeners can use your wise advices. Thank you very much and uh, all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. 
If you are interested to learn more about career transition, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links in the podcast description. There you can find also all books, YouTube channels and any other information which our guests shared with you. If you haven't mind some friends with exciting career transformation stories, please let us know. We are always looking for new guests. Don't forget to hit a subscribe button and tell your friends about our podcast if you find it helpful. Stay tuned!